Hi, everyone. Hope you're having an amazing Tuesday. I'm saying hello, Carlos and Ricardo Salguero from Marketer Brothers, Marketer Bros for short. We have a special treat for you today, and uh, we're going to interview someone that has become really close to us, more close to my brother than me until I get to meet you, and I'm sure we're going to have a ball. Jonathan, Jonathan Lopez. I still don't know, I still don't know who's Ricardo. Who's Ricardo? <laughs> He's Ricardo. Yeah, everybody knows him by Pablo, Ricardo. The whole family knows him by Ricardo. You know him by Pablo, so it doesn't matter, right? For all intents and purposes, <laughs> like have, another, have another brother, right? So it's all good. Um, we're gonna we're gonna interview Jonathan Lopez, uh, fondly known as the Excuse Destroyer. Ricky, you have known him for a little bit. Why don't you introduce him? Sure. Um, you know, I actually uh, I'll introduce him by by starting on a on a on a little anecdote that I that, that how I met this guy. You know, so I would, I'm into Spartan racing and OCR and uh, obstacle course racing for those who don't know who, what it is and endurance uh, events and endurance events. And I uh, I would follow him on Instagram because I mean this guy if you if you look at his uh, Lopez OEW um, uh, Instagram. He actually does things like climbing a rope uh, with one hand. Have you noticed that, you know, one of them is missing? So, um, and he does, he flips a tire. He does some crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. So, you know, you would follow him. I didn't know who, who he really was, but I would follow him. And um, I signed up for this 60-hour event, this 60-hour race called the Spartan Agogi. And uh, it was my second one. And it was in Vermont. So, I'm in Vermont doing... Um, you know, keep in mind, this is an event where you have to set up your gear uh, in advance. You have to buy all kinds of different stuff. You have to show up there. And all you know is all this gear list that you, that you need to have, that it's in, a, in Vermont and that it's la going to last at least 60 hours with no sleep. That's all you know, right? You got to bring your own food, everything. So I'm sitting in my second one, you know, ready to go in this in this clear river inn, which is a little motel outside of Jody Senna's farm in in um in Pittsburgh, Vermont. And um, all of a sudden, it's 11 p.m. and I'm helping uh, my friends from Mexico actually read the maps and and, and show them how to use a compass and everything. And uh, this guy shows up in his truck, driving from Florida, mind you, right? He shows up and he gets out. And he, to see if he will find a room. He doesn't have a reservation. He has nothing. He comes out with Amanda Sullivan, which, hey, Mandy, she's, uh, she's awesome. It's another, it's another adaptive athlete. Um, and, um, and Arthur, another adaptive athlete. And they come out. And um, I see Lopez, actually, first of all, not having a room, coming out and unloading sealed Amazon boxes from his truck. So all his gear is literally just, Amazon boxes that he's going to start preparing. Keep in mind, this race starts at 5 a.m. and we are, it's 11 p.m. So I, I just look at, look at these guys and I'm like, do, uh, do you guys, can you guys, do you guys want to stay in my room? So um, they end up saying yes. They basically, uh, the room had two, two double beds. So in one bed, uh, Amanda slept in one bed, in the other bed, it was me and Zoe. Zoe is uh, Jonathan's uh, do service dog. She's awesome. She's actually right here. And uh, Jonathan and Arthur spent, I don't think they slept at all, just opening these Amazon boxes and getting ready for the race. So that was 
my initial encounter with with Jonathan, and then we did this race together and everything. So, um, and now I'll I'll let him just say who he is and everything. But basically, that that was my 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 first encounter with Jonathan, and since then, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, I've learned so much perspective, and I've and I've had the time of my life. Uh, I feel like I've known him for ten years. Uh, it's just. Maybe he he because of, because of him I've aged ten years and of all that of all the crazy stuff he's made me do but but I'm here and I'm happy and here and uh, you do just tell us who you are you know I'm gonna continue with your story all right What's up, bro? <laughs> so because I know that you guys are trying to talk to entrepreneurs and yeah how to start businesses and whatever and I'm gonna tell you like yes prepare yourself but if you're gonna wait until you're ready you're never gonna talk to another star. Yeah, um, that is the main thing. I see so many people that just focus so much on the training and the being ready for something that they just their their mind is somewhere else. Like decide to do something, I'm just gonna fucking do it. That's it. Uh, for that event uh, that actually happened, I was in New York. I didn't have to take the drive all the way from Florida. I was in New York running tuxedo, and I finally taught Amanda into doing it, and we just rolled to Vermont. Um, well, well, actually, one thing I want to say about Todd Amanda into doing it. So Lopez is is famous because he Lopez's people. That's so nice. so Lopez's people. He, he, there's even a patch that says <laughs> you got Lopez. <laughs> and uh, so getting Lopez is he told he told Amanda. Amanda to this day says this uh, that he he wants to take her on a on a on a nice walk in the woods in Vermont. So he 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 brings her to this to this event, sixty hour no sleep event, where Amanda has to carry logs and she's in crutches, and uh, but yes, yeah, so that's what he does. But yeah, yeah go ahead, man. Yeah, like of people. That's that's not true. Just because we said the last time, just cut through the bullshit. Like, wanna talk me out of telling you to do something? Convince me that you really can. So that's why you always says it's true. The excuse story. Yeah. Yes. Cut to the bullshit, but like back at the stuff, I mean, like so many people just spend their time getting ready for something, or even worse, having an exit plan. Um, you know, Cortez, right? Uh, what's his first name? One of the conquistadors. Yeah. I forget. I forget. I forgot his first name, but like Cortez is like one of the most, I mean, he was a savage. He was truly one of the most savage people like you know when he arrived to America the first thing that he did is he burned all the ships you know yeah yep and that is the thing like man like stop preparing starting like once you have an exit plan you always want to have an excuse or you know like it's gonna you're gonna have that alibi of why cannot continue doing this you know like I the way I see it like you know I mean I mean uh, something else that he was flipping out is uh, I don't bring food to most of these events I don't bring food. Like they have a packing list when people pack 10,000, 12,000 calories to like go through these. The way I see it, it was like, I'm probably the best team that you ever had. At the same time, once we're competing, we're competing. That's a whole different thing. Um, people are going to drop out. So why am I carrying food when I know, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you seen the tactics for the Chinese army. They have three waves of infantry carrying rifles and ammo. The waves following that, they only carry ammo because they know there's going to be dead people in front of them. So they grab the rifles and they continue forward. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Waste of resources, man. Not buying food. I'm not carrying it. Like, you know what? That extra effort at the beginning, I carry less weight and I wait for the dead people to arrive and I just take their supplies. 
Yep. And food along the way. Hey, Jonathan, yep. let, let, let's give people a little perspective here. Tell us a little bit about your story, about, you know, where you grew up, uh, your, your service time, and just a little bit of that. Because, you know, when you did that in Spanish, at least to me, man, it's just, it changes people's view of, you know, your, your, your story, where you come from, your struggle, and uh, the things you've overcome along the way. So, um, I was born in St. Petersburg, Florida, but I grew up in Venezuela. I went there when I was five years old. I came back at 16. Uh, as I told you before, I grew up with my grandmother. It's something that, to this day, who I am is because of all her teachings. You know? Like, it's taking me a lifetime to understand all the lessons. But it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so I came back at 16. I took an accelerated program through high school. Graduated early, came, came in, joined the Army as soon as I could. I was uh, 17 when I signed in, and I was sent away at 17 in three months. Um, from there, I started a military career, which was, um, believe it or not, I'm kind of like I'm a little bit messy right now, and I actually embrace that. I embrace the not having plans. Like, I hate planning, I hate everything, but... Before it wasn't like that. Before I had a plan that I followed step by step. Like I knew, I knew what I had to do. Like, you know, from this school to that school, like I, I followed a path. And so like I lost everything one day because I was involved in an accident outside of the base. That was actually probably the hardest thing. And I'm not going to say because of uh, my injuries. Because I honestly, it really didn't face me that much waking up and not having an arm or like all the rehabilitations that I had to do with my leg. The hardest part was losing my military career because like I always thought like, come on, I was uh, jumping out of airplanes, playing with C4, doing all kind of stuff. Like I was bound to get hurt, like, statistically speaking. Yeah. So what I wasn't okay is with the circumstances. What I wasn't okay is with losing my career and then finding myself in was a limbo, you know, like I had no idea what was next. And Either way that I put it, I was upset because it was, uh, like, I had a plan. So that's why I'm, like, right now, that's why, like, I embrace so much chaos. You know, I just have an idea, go with it, yeah. adapt as you go. But since then, after, after the Army, you know, when you, when you, uh, you, came, when you came back, um, you've, you've embraced and this, this diverse and quit Long mentality, after. you know. But before you... You, you, there's a period of your life that I don't even, that I, I've talked to you a million times, man, and, and the whole, you, you were racing bikes pro, uh, competitively, mm -hmm. like literally with one arm, he's racing race bikes. Uh, tell us about that, that part of your life. Well, well, I think, I think, Jonathan, uh, I mean, you, you lose your military career. That was probably one of the biggest losses in your life, from what I can hear. Mm -hmm. and yes, sir. You're grieving for a while, right? You're grieving for a yes. long time. So tell us yeah. about that part, because I think, I think that's, that's key here. So that goes into like what he was asking, that I was racing motorcycles and everything. Like, it's funny how we all grieve in different ways. Um, I honestly took me forever to even like share a tear, or like cry or like over the loss of my arm. I was just like more disappointed than anything. But uh, the way that I grieve the loss of my arm or the loss of my career was, I don't even know how to explain this. I wasn't doing it on purpose. I wasn't trying to hide anything because I, I didn't even know I was depressed. Like I lived 
for a long time. Like I was actually talking to a friend the other day, telling her that people used to say, like, dude, I want to be like you. You just don't give a fuck about anything. And uh, yes, that was me. Like I was the guy, like, honestly, like I didn't let that face me. It wouldn't show. I continued to race motorcycles. And uh, believe it or not, like before I was kind of like just a, a bike rider after I lost my arm, I actually raced professionally for three years because um, I was coming into turns and Daytona at 170 miles per hour, six inches from the wall because I did not give a shit. And I didn't know. Like It took me actually after a long period to realize that that, that time, my grieving was just being cool, just showing no vulnerability to anything or just letting anything face me. And that was, that was the worst era that you have to really find something to care for. And that's when everything came in. And when my kids came into a picture, I want a bike. I honestly want to buy another motorcycle like today. I don't do it because I have two little ones that I care for. And I know something happens that, you know, you know the consequences So like living in that way of like, you know, like, yeah. Now you know, like it, it, it is probably the worst thing. And I look back at those days, and now it's pretty sad. I mean, like anyone that would that you talk to that knew me from that era would never know that I was depressed because they were like, "I want to be like you. You don't let nothing face you. You know, you don't let nothing like, you know, like lost all feelings." You know? And that's almost like a shield, you know, like uh, you, you're, you're, yeah, it, it was pretty messed up inside. But. Yeah, yeah, you and you also mentioned that you were, you, you had a pretty strong addiction to to painkillers, right? Yes, sir. And um, when you say the word addiction, it was, and I didn't know, which was like, what's that? So, like, I had my kids, and I knew, we all know. I mean, like, nowadays, more people are more aware of the, I guess, the side effects and everything that comes to the audience. Like, you know, like, well, at the beginning, they were giving me those things like Tic Tacs. Like, might as well, I think I got them in a pest dispenser. I'm dead serious. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but like, I didn't know about addiction. I didn't know about anything. This is like, I grew up with my grandmother, pretty old school. Like, you know, like to this day, like if you were ever to, to attempt to touch anything, like I feel like, a, like her tank light is going to come flying from around the corner and hit me in the back of the head. <laughs> so I was, um, it's never like into like experimenting with drugs or anything. So part of my rehabilitation is I had a bunch, a lot of injuries with my leg. So, I went very heavy into narcotics. Just like ease the pain, get back on my feet, get moving. And I never took anything from the street. I mean, I did, but never took anything for the first couple of years. And I was just following what was prescribed to me. Uh, one day, um, my kids are born, like, you know, like, and I'm talking about like, yeah, like two on one. And I'm kind of like out of shape, trying to like play, play with them in the yard. And I'm like, you know what, I got to get back at, you know, like, I want to be here 15 years from now. I want to play football with them. I want to see them off from high school. So I know these pills are going to end up killing me, so let me put them to the side. At this point, everything was still fine. When I decided to stop taking the medication and I saw how addicted I was to it, it was an awakening. I was like, what the hell just happened? Now on top of everything, I'm addicted to some pill. And I went into that roller coaster of, I'm not taking it for a week. Then the next week I take double and then like, it, was, it just became a mess. Wow. So, one, how did, so how did you kick that addiction? You just 
concentrating on your kids? No, no, man. Don't like it that much. I love them, but <laughs> it's impossible. Like, I mean, is that that saying of a? I couldn't get any lower. Like, I, honestly, like it's only one place. Like, one place to go. Like, I, I literally reach rock bottom. Rock when I told you for for the first couple of years, I didn't do drugs. I didn't, but like towards the end. He became part of it, like you know, like I was taking uppers, downers, like I was I up, whatever I could to like make me feel good. And um, one day I just got sick of it. And I think, Jesus Christ, I think it's today, nine years ago today, because uh, my son's birthday is on the third, on November third, was two days ago. So it was a, a horrible day, nine years ago. Like I just I've blown all my money, like you know, from the first to the third, I have blown all my money. Didn't get him anything for his birthday, and like he was so disappointed. He was four years old. I was like, "Where's my present?" And uh, I didn't have anything. And today, on the fifth, I had the refill for medication. So at this point, I'm sick as hell. I had not taken any medication for uh, like seven days. And I went to the VA, and I got my prescription for the month. And I just decided it makes sense. Like, like. I know sometimes you try to describe it to people that don't understand. I'm glad they don't. But like to me, it makes sense. Like, I'm an advocate right now for suicide awareness. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, please. But at the same time, there's some part of me still believes that someone has the right to take their lives. If, like, if, well, life, if all you know from life is pain, that's no way of living, you know? You will do it to you will do it to any living thing that you love. You know, if you see something suffering, you'll put it down. Like we don't, I guess, because of society, we don't. We are not allowed to make that decision. Um, being that said, the one thing that have not changed my mind, but like made me look at things in a different perspective, is um, not being selfish. Like, listen, bro, if you're suffering by all means. You know, like that's your decision. It's your decision. But what you have to know is, um, for instance, in my case. It would have not ended right there. Like, yeah, for me, it would have. Like, I would have been fine as far as uh, in no more pain. But like, I have to think about my kids. Like, what about them? Like I told you, everyone that knew me from before, my kids. If I would have committed suicide, my kids were to ever ask anyone that you know how was my dad. They all, they, no one knew the pain I was going through. So we're gonna say like, oh, he was, ah, you know, happy go guy. He was always having fun, doing crazy crap. You know, X Y stories. And then they're gonna be like, so then we came into the picture and he killed himself. So like, what? I'm saying like, kind of shit is that to like leave yeah. a kid with? So yeah, you're right. It's it's a selfish. Yeah. It's a selfish act. It's very selfish. I think um, some people might have the right. You just have to think, what are you willing? You know, like what are you willing to leave your family with? Yeah, you you're just transferring that all that pain and sometimes even more mm -hmm. to to the people you leave behind. Yeah. Now, Okay. I saw an interview. Okay. I saw an interview, and uh, it was funny because I roll my eyes at, at like when people are asking celebrities about politics and like life advice and like all this crap. And I'm like, what does Kanye knows about you know? Yeah, politics or whatever. So like, it's um, Colbert, and I think it was Steve Colbert, and he was asking Keanu Reeves, you know, like what, like I think he said Neil or something like that. Like, you know, oh no, Keanu Reeves, no. What do you think that happens when people die? And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, why? Because he's Neil, he's the one, he's gonna know the answer. <laughs> and his answer was the most sincere and like, it's the best answer ever. He says like, you know, like, I really 
I'm not sure. But what I know for sure is that those who love you are going to miss you. Yeah, very true. Yep. What kind of legacy are you going to live for those that are after you and that love you and that care for you? That's, that's really what you thought about. I don't know. I just want to be the best dad. Sorry. Yeah. I think um, I don't care about any other title. Yeah. So, I'm my good dad. Yeah. Is, uh, you know. Um, don't tell them that. <laughs> but I actually. Uh, don't give them talk. You know, the. the no, they'll get, the to watch, that. they'll get to watch these things very soon, man. So, sorry. You already said. I, I, I keep them humble. Like, honestly, like, this is my new home, my RV. And I got like two paintings of my dog in the wall and no pictures of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to, to lighten up the boot, everybody, uh, to everybody, I have, a, I have a, a funny story that I actually fell into it the other day as well. So John is now, his, his kids are his priority. We're going to talk about what his latest project is with, with his kids. And, and uh, his kids are amazing. I've, I've, I have met, I, I don't think I've ever met kids that have so much confidence on themselves and, 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 and the willingness to overcome their <laughs> obstacles. And, and, you know, somebody that is kids that truly admire their father, you know, but he also admires his kids. So there's actually a funny story where he had a, he had a 30 second interview with Yokohama, which we put the link in the, in the, in the video after this. And it was 30 seconds, just lasting 30 seconds questions. And, you know, Everybody gives him gives him crap because he has an accent. And the three of us do. So, I do. I do. <laughs> and uh, and you know they ask him and, and they ask him who who uh, who's your hero, and and he he says my kids, <laughs> you know. But the subtitles say my gates, my gates. <laughs> so I look at the video and I'm like. Who's my gates? <laughs> because the subtitles say my say my gates, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, it's it's uh, his kids are amazing. He uh, and and I just uh, you know I admire how they are and how and how really independent they are. They are they are amazing kids, and I, just like I try to play tough, it's the same thing with them. I'm gonna tell you, like our friend Joe, he was telling me two weeks ago, which meant a lot. Yeah, I forgot what it was. We we're talking about whatever. And he's like, bro, it's like. Whatever you do, don't stop. Like you gotta see when you're not around and somebody talks about you or like they talk about you, how the world light up. They won't tell me to my face and I'm fine. Like we're in front of each other and like we just treat each other like crap all day. Yeah. Tough love. Yeah, but they, they admire you, man. So so with that said, um, you know, so you know, this throughout this, this whole process, you've kept doing doing events. You you're actually a Spartan pro athlete. Um and there's you know, you you uh, you work with Operation Enduring Warrior, which uh, it's a foundation I also I also uh, volunteer for, and uh, you know basically you 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 turn yourself into into a light a light for for a lot of people to to create inspiration. You might not think so, but you are constantly inspiring people, and uh, you know so with through Operation Enduring Warrior, tell us a little bit uh, just a little bit of that and a little bit of how. That also becomes you. It becomes you with your kids because one one of the amazing parts for me is like you travel over. You travel all over the country, and you go to. You're everywhere. You're in every race. You're. you're I'm not in every race, but most races. But the most uh, m- most amazing part is that just because you wanna always be with your kids and always be with them, you're driving. You're driving freaking thousands of miles uh, uh, at a time without sleep. 
just so that your kids can come with you and participate in these events. And, and, and you're doing it to be with your kids, but also to, to, to empower other veterans, motivate them. So tell us a little bit about that new life that you, you built for yourself. With OIW, so I met these guys about four years ago, four, four and a half years ago. And um, at the beginning, I didn't know who they were. Like, I, I saw a few videos of them on social media or YouTube, like, see badass dudes wearing gas masks. And honestly, I mean, that is their biggest handicap as well. Like, they are sad and professional. So when you see them, it's like, holy crap. You know, like, you guys are badass. Like, just doing this race or whatever in full gear and a gas mask. I didn't know that it was something that I could be a part of. Like, you know, I have lost a lot of my identity because of the circumstances of my accident. But um, I, I was heading to Walter Reed. I was heading to New York for Christmas and starting with the kids. So I told them to stop at Walter Reed. That is a, that is a military combined um, medical center. Like, you know, every, anyone that is injured in the military ends up over there. Or, I mean, they severely injured. And that was technically sort of like my last duty station. So the kids were in the Boy Scouts at the time. So like they had some projects. So I was like, how about we make gifts for the, for the wounded soldiers? And we stopped by and dropped them. It turned into something big. Like Boy Scouts did a bunch of stuff. And then some organizations started sending meetings. And like all of a sudden, it's the usual. I'm driving to Walter Reed with a truck full of blankets and T-shirts and stuff for them. So met this guy. And... The connection was immediate. Recovered uh, as soon as I saw him, like he had a big red one on his hat. So that was my unit as well. So we started talking shit to each other. Started what was supposed to be a one-hour workout uh, turning to four. You know, usual military stuff, trying to measure whose genitalia is bigger than the other ones. <laughs> and yeah, we kill each other. But um, all of a sudden, he asked me to come participate in an event with OEW. Um, I would say because I said earlier, I'm a mess and I I embrace that no packing and just oh yeah we we'll figure it out. So I got to, hmm? just show up. Yeah, just show up. So I get to this event. So we check in the hotel the night before, and the following morning I mean I'm sorry the night before, and the team leader tells everybody. So I was an honorary at the time. They're like, oh, just be downstairs at eight o'clock in the morning and we'll take you to a venue. Everyone else talking to the team team members. Want you guys at uh, 07, you know, downstairs in the parking lot with all your gear. And I remember asking him like, "Can I be there?" And they're like, "Absolutely, if you want to come, come do it." So I see this group of guys in uniform, and is uh, what we call a TA50, which is our, our, I guess our standard issue, like whatever we need to accomplish a mission. With everything laid out in front of them, and the team leader is running by, like you know, making sure that. Everyone has their uniforms, all their patches, you know, like, is the mask working, is this? And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, I miss this in my life. Like, I miss the, the structure. So, so you probably felt, sells our community yes. again. Yeah, so one event turned into, um, you know, I did like six or seven that year. And I applied to become one of the mask athletes. Now, that year, we rotate through um, different military facilities where, where we do an uh, in-doc. That year, we happened to go to Camp McCall, which is, um, it, it is a place where special forces assessment and selection takes place. So that was, even in my mind, that is the last thing that I did in the military. I know I went 
home on a Monday, crash on a Thursday. But uh, prior to my accident, I was attending uh, selection and they got to me. They did exactly what they're supposed to do. Like SF is not looking for for studs, you know? Yeah, they're, they're trying to the ability you. to work and to see how much are you willing to endure. Yeah, exactly. So um, I had applied to go to special forces for about over a year and I kept getting denied because my unit was constantly rotating through Bosnia, Kosovo, Macedonia. So my first time was like, is it like I had attended like pretty much every school that the army had to offer. And during this time, they were like, stop, it's time to go to work, you know? So through all these deployments and I was single, I accumulated uh, an amount of money that I never really had, like deployment money. So I came back finally to my unit and bought motorcycles, flat screen TVs. Like I lived, I lived in the barracks. It was like the barracks life. Like we bought silk pajamas <laughs> to have martini parties, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I get my orders to go to a set. And I'm like, let's do this, you know? So I'm out there and I'm freaking hating life. Like exactly like what they're designed to do. Like they test your landline skills. They test every single thing, you know? Yeah. And I was, um, what's it? I think it was Wednesday or something. I was uh, finishing like, I'm doing like star course, you know? Oh yeah. It's <laughs> a little bit longer and a little bit heavier. <laughs> yep. After two and a half weeks of training and I was just, so this guy that was really, really cool with me, like, started like walking next to me. He was telling me how this was bullshit. You know, like, <laughs> this is some real bullshit. So, so, he's, yeah. the, so he's the guy that's leading yeah, here. I, I agree with him. Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> like, I want to be back in the barracks. Like, why am I doing this? You know, like, why? Like, who the hell wants to suffer to that? They like had a brand new motorcycle park. Like, they were, like, we had like four day weekends every other day because, because we were home. And uh, yeah, I agree with him. Uh, my feet hurt which at that point seemed like an injury. Yeah, he hurt, oh yeah, they do. Yeah. So I quit and I got sent back to my unit and a few days later I was involved in an accident. So that was something that I always held. Like, fuck, if I want to never quit, I wasn't supposed to be there. But like, you gotta get over that because um, butterfly effect, who the hell knows if I didn't quit, what would have happened, you know? Like, yeah. Would I be here, would I be with those kids? Yeah, who knows? that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, yeah. So, so, so that's with OEW. So, like that year, we ended up going to training. So yeah. tell, tell, tell people a little bit about Operation Enduring Warrior because a lot of the people that are watching right now have no clue what the organization does and what it means. And, 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 and I so, think it's important that you tell them that. So, what it is is a group of volunteers. That's what I was like, it's kind of tough. We volunteer, but like you have to prove first that you have what it takes so we end up at this place and um and i'm like holy crap i'm back in here you know and that put me through hell yeah that put me through hell for those uh i think it was like that like three days as well and i remember at that point so like i'm back i can't my call and this time i'm not 23 years old running six minute miles you know like i am actually like broken or whatever and i'm like there's no freaking way I'm quitting anything in here you know um, yeah. Yeah. I became a, I became one of the mascot athletes and what it is for OAW it's an organization it's formed with um, active duty military or retirees 
as well as right now we have law enforcement and we're working into first responders as well. Um, we bring the suck to you. You don't have enough on your life. So like put it in other ways. Like we actually, we challenge people, we challenge, I want to say veterans, but we challenge, yeah, veterans, law enforcement. People have gone through really bad things in their life to continue forward, to, you know, to seek adversity, to test themselves, and at the same time to test us. Um, yeah, I think they're they're helping. Many times they're helping us more than they're that we're helping yeah. them. And when I say like to test us, it's like it's important for them to know that there are people out there who still give a crap. Yeah, to put it into perspective, just uh, my uh, my quick experience with oppression during Warrior, um, I didn't know what it was. I just I, all these Spartan races. I saw these guys in full military gear with helmets and masks. You know, the mask that looks just like this, and. Uh, I don't know if you have one around, but it's, it, it's just masks like this. And they, uh, oh, they're they running. They're, they're running. They're walking the course, but they're taking people through that that are amazing. I mean, we I had the honor to do to do uh, um, the, Dallas, uh, uh, the Dallas Beast last, uh, last weekend. And um, Dallas, uh, a, Spartan, a Spartan Beast, for those who don't know, it's a 60-mile obstacle course race uh, through thick and thin mud, um, it was cold, and uh, you know it is tough already for fully able people. You know, and uh, what Operation During Warrior does is they pick honorees. Uh, honorees are people that are going to that that they believe in the. They actually like like Johnny was saying. They actually these honorees are people that are taking them that are t that are actually have accepted this challenge they have accepted this challenge that is we're gonna we're gonna go through this through through thick and thin um we're gonna go through this through thick and thin and uh and no matter what you know they they commit to it no matter what and we as as uh, as as their me as a community ambassador and as, as math athletes we commit to take him through the course so an example of this is an amazing guy, uh, Chris Wolf. I'm sure he's going to watch this. See, he's he's a, a former Air Force Air Force guy. Got deployed six times, um, survived everything, even an RPG. Literally, an RPG hit his aircraft and they crashed, and he survived. Wow. He comes back from the sixth deployment, gets a flu shot in the in the Air Force base, and wakes up as a quadriplegic from the flu shot. Um, a couple of weeks after after the flu shot, and uh, to this day they don't really know why the flu shot attacked his his uh, his spinal cord, but he lost all motion from the neck down. Through seven years of uh, rehabilitation, he's he's gained back the movement in his arms, but he will never walk again. And uh, he was there in the course, and you have to see this guy's energy, smile, how he how he motivates others and how he i mean it comes to to an obstacle and sometimes you know you you're like dude you don't have to do this man and he gets out of his chair he's pulling a hundred pound concrete ball by himself not asking for any help and he's joking around making everybody feel awesome and he's with this freedom chair it's called great freedom chair that has handles i'll post a couple videos here and they and he's He's inspiring us. Like I said, he's giving us more than that we're giving him, you know? And 
like this, we have four, we had four amazing honorees and, and, uh, and we'll tell you more about them later, but it is, but it's just the feeling of, of being able to, 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 for them to have the honor to run with us and to challenge ourselves. And, and these guys with the masks, no matter what, no matter what, it, it can be 100, 120 degrees, it can be 50 miles. They're wearing this mask and they're not taking it off for anything. They cannot eat. The mask has literally just a, a, just a, little, a little conduit for a camelback. So they're just drinking water and they're just helping these people no matter what. No matter what. And, and these people are doing the obstacles no matter what. So it took us nine hours to do 16 miles to give you some perspective. We got there at nighttime. And, and again, my, my life has been enriched in the past year in an amazing way just to being around him and around Operation Enduring Warrior. That's awesome. I can't wait to run with you guys very soon. Yeah, man. Dallas Beast, man. Dallas Beast, December 7th. Okay. You got you to gotta commit. Dallas. You got to. Florida. Uh, Florida, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Florida, Florida Beast, December 7th. We're doing this. So, so that's definitely going to happen. Um, so just moving along to, to not make this crazy long. Um, I want to talk about uh, your latest project, man. Your, your latest project, because to me, is, is literally the dream. You know, my, my wife will will never agree to, agree to this. She will kill me if I ever, if I ever even, even bring it up. But basically, one day, you just went out and bought an RV and bought an RV and uh, took your kids out of, out, of, out of school and now you're homeschooling them. And so, so tell us why you did that and, and what, what's your plan moving forward? I want to be with them. And I know like that's the, the one thing that you can never buy back is time. So like right now, I'm, I have the, I want to say the privilege, or I'm lucky enough that regardless of the circumstances of how I got here, I have the time. Um, I mean, um, I am lucky enough to be doing all these events around amazing people. And yes, we travel all over the country. So as much as I can, I drive them with me. They constantly um, spend endless nights on the weekend, you know, just to attend these. But um, the, this is not a project that, that, honestly, like, I'm doing these because I can. And if I can do it and I don't, I feel like there is something that I'm going to, I'm going to regret. Uh, I, I went to visit uh, a friend, which is also the current president for the organization and he's um he's an active duty soldier he's a sergeant major i went to visit him during the day after christmas to deliver one of the puppies from zoe and he told me something i mean it wasn't meant to be inspirational it wasn't meant for anything like that all he said was you know like it's gonna be years until your kids can understand how lucky they are you know, because they're always with me and they're always being exposed to all these. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So, like, I'm trying to say, like, it's not a project. This is, like, the least that I can do. Like, if I had the opportunity to take my kids around the country and, you know, like, expose them to, like, so much positive stuff, like, if not what? Leave them home with a TV so they can see a country that is, like, supposedly ripping itself apart when that's not true. Like, uh, I'm going to tell you that like, you... That's not my reality at least. Like I go out and I see the most amazing people. I go out, guess what? We work with a lot of police officers and guess how many times they have abused me? None. Yeah. You know? 
Like it's it's just I'm taking care of um, giving the best opportunity. That if I don't do these, guarantee you. Like listen, if I do it or I don't do it, if I do good or if I do bad, this is temporary. Like in a few years, they're gonna be out of here, and I'm always gonna be sitting down like, wow, I could have provided them with these, these, and that, and I didn't. Yeah, if not if not now, when you know, I mean, yeah, that's, and 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 yeah, like you're saying, I mean that it's if if we I will actually turn off the TV, turn off social media, and actually go talk to our neighbors and go talk to the, the people around us, mm-hmm. we're gonna realize that humans are a lot nicer than than their turn out that that media turns out to, to it tells us they are, you know, yeah. and. Uh, uh, the human spirit is amazing and what you can overcome is amazing. So just it's exposing your kids to that is cool. the world that you choose to be around. And I must say, like, I, I, the first marathon I ever ran was New York City. And I lived in New York for twice, once for like three years, another one for about two. And it's one of those years. Don't ask me what was I doing the day of the marathon because I have no idea what. I wasn't out there cheering for strangers. That I can tell you. And um, same city, I go back and I'm running. So we start in Staten Island, run over the very Sano Bridge. And as soon as I enter Brooklyn, it's like you see the whole community like welcoming you and like, go get it. I'm like, okay, what? What am I getting? You know? <laughs> but like, it's like just thousands, you know, millions of people out there in the streets. And then like you come into Brooklyn, into Queens. You know, then you cross over to the Bronx. So, like, what I'm trying to say with this is, like, you can go to the same place, you know, and because of the circumstances, you're going to live a different experience. Yeah. And um, I'm able to, once again, like, that day, that my first uh, my first marathon, it was amazing. Now, there was a, a guy from the organization that stayed with the kids. So, as I was running, I have a tracker, which uh, tells you where you are. Mine was broken. He said I was running a lot slower. <laughs> but like it tells you where you're running and my kids are trying to like figure out the New York City subway system you know because I'm like oh he's running in this route let's go to 120 street and then they get to 120 and now they have to learn that the city is divided east and west between you know Central Park and not so they're like oh my god he has to go 20 blocks let's cross you know let's go across the park so it's a great experience yeah yeah no, I've seen your kids uh, like different things we've done and, and just you know, one of the things that comes to, that come to mind is is when we build the uh, uh, the park for Tito. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, basically Tito is was a mask athlete. Uh, his constant was unbreakable. He actually broke the Guinness re- uh, record for running a hundred miles with a mask. You know, and uh, Tito was amazing. I I didn't have the honor to 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 meet him, but I had the honor to actually donate our time and, and, and materials to build this park in, in his honor for other people to be able to train. And, uh, and uh, it's just, I, I had the honor to meet his parents. Mm-hmm. And, and just how your kids reacted to that and were there engaged, helping, um, even getting, I mean, we, we were in a, in, a, in a neighborhood called Paramore where with the gift team, uh, Brad, I'm sure you're going to watch this. And uh, there, I remember very clearly, man, your kids are the only the only kids that are not from that place. And we get out of the park. I mean, we don't like out of the cars and we're all adults are, we're all planning to do the park and how we're going to build this and weld it and everything. And all of a sudden you see, a, I hear a commotion with kids screaming and stuff like that. And all these kids, as soon as, as Lopez's kids got out of his, uh, his car, 
they're like, you got, you want to fight? You want to fight? And here's, they have like boxing gloves, like boxing gloves. And he's, and he's all the center iron, man. He's like, all right, let's go. And you know, he's, I mean, there's 20 kids in there. Now, any, any, I mean, I would feel intimidated <laughs> to be honest with you. And he, and, and your, and your son, man, he puts the gloves on, man. And he was, and he was, and he was, I mean, these kids were hurting me. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan knows how to fight, man. Yeah, so, so, so it was just the confidence, you know, the confidence that he had to simply, you know, not, and nowadays, you know, we, we, we tend to overparent it to a such a degree that, I mean, a kid, a kid just literally trips and you're, you're like helicoptering like crazy. And, you know, you're allowing your kids to live their life. You know, you're allowing their kids to, to experience new things, you know. I mean, I, I remember your son at, at, a, at a recent Spartan race, man, that he's, he puts his bandana in his, in his face like this. You know, he has a hat, but the bandana right here. And this kid, I mean, the, 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 the race starts, man, and he is flying, yep. flying. And he's, he's racing to win, man. He is not, he is not messing around. He's not complaining. He's racing to win. And I'm sure he's thinking about you when he's doing that, you know? You sent me a book that I haven't been able to read because uh, sometimes audiobooks. So let's make that clear. <laughs> um, the Voice, and it was called The Pacification of America. Right, and yeah. I think that is like one of the big things. Just to make it clear, when we went to um to Orlando, like yeah, the kids we were donating a bunch of stuff, so they bought uh, we bought punching bags and all their MMA equipment, and that's when like when the kids saw it, like let's let's fight. And I'm gonna tell you, like honestly, I don't know how to put this in simple words, but like can it cannot get any simpler. We are pack animals. We are like as much as we want to like looks or act civilized or something, like we are pack animals. Like you know, like down to like when you see someone from the opposite sex and you're like a bird like doing the dance trying to attract peacock you know that's, <laughs> that's where the term comes from the same thing comes with like alpha males like um right now like like most of my all of my real good friends from a long time ago or so we have fought at one point or another one yeah. it's kind of like dogs like you know like they don't hate each other they just once in a while they're gonna attack each other growl take a few bites and let you know like hey this is my playground. Oh, yeah. And uh, you have to allow it. And I think like now that you put it, that experience in Orlando, it was like the same thing. It's like the new guys coming into the room and they're like, hey, oh, yeah. let's like, test you. And they're like, all right, let's, let's put the gloves. You let's know? go. Yeah. And, let's and, put the gloves and let's fight. And like, dude, they ended up playing the entire day. Like, I remember everybody said, you're not worrying about the kids. I ain't about anywhere. I'm like, no, oh, man, they're fine. They're with everybody else. Remember, yeah. we kept giving them money and they kept going somewhere else. Yeah. So he's like, I need to go over there shopping. Because I remember we used to give the kids like $10 and they came back with like, we got 37 ice creams. I'm like, how did you do that with $10? You know, like in a little bodega that the ice cream is like 13 cents. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's, it, it was an amazing experience, mm -hmm. man. And, and, and I just, you know, you're, I've seen you kids with, with doing things that, I, that it's unbelievable. And I think that race where you were, where, you're, where your youngest was racing, he got second, I think, right? Yeah, and, he did. Yeah. The, uh, he, got, he got second a day. Like, so he's been going competitive the last, uh, couple of races because uh, I honestly like, so like this is new for him uh, I always brought them with me but uh, now work with Spartan and apparently some people have complained about a few things that I do one of them being bringing the kids into the course and I've done it a few times not just with mine I did one my, my kids they got a trifecta when they were eight years old eight and nine but um, I brought other kids into the course I understand it's not doable I mean it's not possible because they pay millions of dollars as it is right now for insurance. So if you put kids in there, 
like it will skyrocket. But um, I see this partner race as a great opportunity for them to like do stuff together. Like you know, like how often do like how often does your kid tell you like, can I go climb a thirty foot rope? And you're like, yeah, I go break a leg. You know? Yeah. So like that, it provides an an environment where, and that's one thing. Like maybe they they might do it somewhere else. But like kids are always seeking the parents approval so like being able to do it in there is amazing because uh you see them doing all this stuff and like they always turn around to see if you're watching give them thumbs up yeah or just pretend that i'm painting the dog oh, whatever I, I have um i have a super funny story on that that you told me the other day man so so he's he's getting his kids through a 13 mile beast course right i know people that, that talk about 13 miles and they're like there's no way i'm gonna do 13 miles and he's his youngest He's, he's changed the outlook on, on his kids in such a way that his, his youngest, you know, he's, he, they, he had 12 miles, they were already 12 miles in, only one mile to go. And Spartan loves to bring the race back through the gauntlet to the actual festival, you know, so you smell the food, you smell the, the turkey legs, all the, all, the, all the good stuff. And all of a sudden, his, um, his, his son, he's like, dad, and he's smelling the food, he's like, I'm done, man. I'm done, I'm done. And, 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 and Johnny is like, what do you mean you're done? And he's like, I'm not a disabled vet like you, man. So he's changed that outlook. And, it, and it's awesome that, that, that like his dad, I mean, I'm sure your kids, man, like I said, you, they, they pretend that like I've seen you guys interacting with each other and you're like, ah, I gotta go away. And, and you're, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're always talking about you and they're always admiring you. It's funny and now so we're right now at Patrick's Air Force Base and I'm gonna tell you the first time that I came to this base was with Danny. So we we're conducting a, a special gold rock event for the Air Force, you know, like the Air Force has a high suicide rate and one of the reasons is uh they have a very high demanding job, but they don't have the sense of unity that the Marines or the Army have. Mm -hmm. So like we come over here and try to like bring them that sense of unity. You guys are gonna work together or or it's gonna be a long day, so. We're gonna um, make you. Hmm? Or we're gonna make you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You guys are gonna work together. Like you know, you're gonna work together. So, anyways, I showed up, and I'm gonna look for that footage to give to you. Yeah. So like my kids are here. Like I bought them some clothes at the PX, and I was like, "You guys are doing the gold work too." And I had actually just had an accident. I just had a fall, so uh, I was like, "I'm not gonna do this with you. This is you guys. But I'm a psychiatrist, and." Uh, we're taking them, you know, we're taking them to a grinder. So, like, we go across the street. We take them to the beach. Like, literally, this dirty station has a two-way street. Okay. Then there's a little sand, and then there's a, the beach right across. So, we have them interlocking elbows. Everybody, you know, everybody's in the surf, doing floater kicks. Oh, that's and awesome. Yeah. So, I'm like, oh, you know, like, just, I'm happy to be walking a little clumsy, and I happen to kick sand in people's face, you know? <laughs> and I just told them, you know, the same thing that was taught to me once, you know, like, all you have to do is quit, you know? All you have to do is quit and go home, you know? And like, my kid is like at the end of the line, you know, a lot of people, he's like, can I, can I quit and go home? Is that an option? And like, it's funny, Danny goes like, that doesn't apply to your kid. You don't want to quit and go home with these guys. So. It was so funny because I, I guess they never heard me say that before. They never heard me. Yeah. You can, all you have to do is quit and go home. He's like, is that an option? <laughs> hey man, I, I really am I'm, I'm impressed and, and I admire 
one huge thing about what you're doing right now is that you've become self-aware of what you want to do and you're taking action to get in your RV, travel places, show your kids experiences and show them exactly how, you know, you are interacting with all these other veterans, all these other events. I mean, the, the mere fact that, that they're able to be with you, be homeschooled and really go to the school of life and go to the school of, in my opinion, perspective. And, and, and you're helping them value things that, you know, most kids out there will never even understand. So I, I think that's amazing. I think, you know, the, the, the pursuit of happiness should be always following your passion, following your dreams um, at whatever cost that is. And um, that to me is awesome. So I thank you for, for sharing that with yeah. us because, you know, hey, hey it, it, I want to wrap, wrap something back to the beginning. So when we met and I'm opening boxes or whatever, if I was waiting for the right time to do this, I wouldn't be here. I literally, like the other day, I passed by Pablo's house and to borrow his truck oh, yeah. because I got to like tow the, this vehicle over here. And I think it's the second time I borrow it because yeah. at first I came when I bought it. And then his wife was finally like, so he just bought a trailer but doesn't have the truck to pull it there. And like, his truck won't pull it. And like he, my, Kika, my wife, was asking me like, yeah, so he buys, buys an RV and he his truck can't even pull it? Like it doesn't work? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like Lopez. That, that, yeah. <laughs> so, so just bought the RV. So it's like, I'm here fixing the truck to like be able to do it, get it another one. You figure it out on the way. Like just yes. go do, burn the fucking ships. Oh, and yes. you see, you figure it out. Like if I was sitting at home this morning, like just waiting for everything to like be perfect so I can embark on this, believe me, the kids will leave to oh, high yeah. school, I mean to college or whatever it is before I can get my shit together, so. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's it, we, don't, we don't act, especially with our kids and, and building a relationship with them and, and just while they're young and then while they're, they're young adults and then when they're adults, it's, it's, it's so important, you know? And sometimes, sometimes as parents, we, we forget that. We are so busy working, we're so busy in our phones, we're so busy doing stuff like that and then they just, we just don't do it. We just don't do it, you know? And, and it's just the simple fact that you know, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people that are watching and everything is like, I would never be able to buy an RV and do, and do that. And exactly, his his answer is why not? Why not? If you can, if you can earn a living, if you can homeschool your kids, which, which by the way, it's I believe it's way better than than regular school, and uh, and every homeschool kid I've ever met is it's crazy, it's crazy advanced and crazy smart. You know, it's you, why not do it? So I mean trying to tell you about this guy Cortez until this moment I cannot even remember his full name or anything right why going back into education this was a conversation that I have with myself because I'm crazy and um, homeschooling like half of my childhood I was punished because I did terrible at some tests. I hated history before now I love it I was a math guy but I was punished because of some tests that I wouldn't pass that was talking about how the Spaniards came. Like I still like I close my eyes and I see my my books from school with these um Hernan Cortez with uh with um I see I see the books with the priest, you know, like bringing gifts to the natives and like all the greatness that came from Europe, you know, like how we say say these people. So like right now I'm an adult. 
I've been around, when I say I've been around, it's like I have traveled to many places. Like, you know, you go to Mexico City and you're going to see in the plaza, they actually, they build a floor of glass. So you get to see the pyramids that were buried below, you know, like you see that these people had amazing cultures, you know, like they were very advanced. They just didn't have the superior firepower and they were ex nearly brought to extermination, you know? You see it here in the U.S., you know, like how yeah. they were conquered and like they were giving pulled and all the stuff. So like, my point is, I want to give the kids, like, yeah, they have to learn their basic English, math, and all this stuff. And I don't want to teach them history. I want them to investigate history. I want, I wanna, I want them to ask why. I want, to, I want them to challenge everything. So that was like my turning point when it came to education. So like, I'm really looking forward to, I don't know, do more projects with them. And as we travel, I learn more about the regions and all the stuff. History that really... Practical history. Yes. You know, my, my, my mom uh, describes how her, her, her um, father, my grandfather, would, would teach him practical geography. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, not geography in a mountain. Like straight up going to the mountains, mm -hmm. climbing. It's, that's the mountain. You know, that is a different map. But like, this is this is what a what crossing river looks like. Well, you know, so that's going into a. I don't know if you're familiar with the Montessori system. Yep. But like going into a Montessori system. Montessori system. Our educational system is based on memorization. It's based on someone giving you the answers, or like you know, like you conducting some sort of research, memorizing these, and being able to like pretty much repeat it. Yeah. The Montessori system, like. If we're gonna teach you about fire, you know, like you're gonna first like hands on it, you know, like yeah, creating it, you know, yeah. like seeing what experience, like feeling the, like you you engage in every in every in every one of your senses. And I think that you learn a lot more. So like geography, like yes, let's talk about geography. Let's go there. Let's leave it. Let's yeah. I, I wish I would have learned that in the in the Boy Scouts, you know, to make a fire. Yeah, it would make your life easier. It would have made my life easier. You know, I, I literally got thrown out of a death rate because I couldn't I couldn't start a fire. So. So yeah, I wish I would have learned that. No, Johnny, what, one of the big things I've taken away from this is that, look, a lot of the audience that will watch the recording of this will be business owners, entrepreneurs. And I think, you know, one of the things you've talked about is, you know, you got you to gotta get started before you're ready. And that applies to, to life, but it also applies, in my opinion, hugely to business. And I see so many business people that are paralyzed by preparation, analysis, they need everything to be perfect before they, they start. And I think the key is just get started and figure it out. Solve it. Learn from practice. Learn it from applying. And, you know, tap into the resources you have as you go and not be, you know, stuck in deciding which way am I going to go. Decide, go, and don't quit. And keep going. Absolutely, man. Like, I mean, it hasn't happened to me yet. But uh, I know there is a lot of people sitting out there watching some infomercial about some dumb crap like the pool noodle. And you're like, I thought of that. Yeah, maybe you did. Maybe you did before. You know, did you have the balls to like really go out there and put your, you know, like believe in something. Like, sell your house. Like you believe in something, sell your house. Put that money into it. Go for it. That's the worst thing that can happen. You learn something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. And that, yeah, absolutely. So many people, uh, and, and the biggest thing that happens when, when people are older is, uh, and the people are in their deathbed is regret, mm -hmm. is regret. You know, I, I didn't do this. I didn't travel. I didn't start a business. I, I, 
you know, and, and, and that's, to be honest with you, that's, that's what I'm more, more, the most afraid of, you know? I mean, I, I, I want to, I want to, I want to climb mountains. I want to, I want to see the world, you know, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to cross, uh, I want to bike to Patagonia like our friend Danny Stokes is doing, you know, uh, I want to join you in some of the, in some of the trips that you were, that you were doing with your RV. I mean, it's, it's, that's living, you know? Mm -hmm. right. The worst life you can live is a life of regret at the end of the day. And a life of not knowing what could have been, right? So, so you got the brains and the looks. What did the, this guy get? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got nothing, man. Damn it! <laughs> I got nothing. You know, that's a pretty. I, I, you know, I actually, I, actually, when I was a kid, I, I straight up like my girlfriends will, will break up with me to try to date him and my cousin Marcelo. So I'm yeah. about to break up with you to fucking like. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, uh, I've enjoyed myself greatly, and uh, I thank you, Jonathan, for sharing. Oh, you, you, yeah, uh, I, I know this is not going to be the only time we're probably going to do this from a race or some crazy place next time and kind of show people how it's done and show up before we're ready and show up in our without any gear as well so that you can show us how to live that life. And uh, look, I... Go ahead. <laughs> you were well, everybody watching, everybody watching, you know, I'm Sunday is December 7th. So Sunday, everybody that wants to join us, December yep. 7th, Farm Beast Mel, in Mulberry, Florida, come join us. That's exactly what I wanted to say. Like, you know, like, you can watch this all you want. Get out there. You come. Bring some people. Let's invite some people to be out there. Like, I actually ran a small company in Mexico doing similar events. And, um... What we did is uh, we brought like the IT departments together from same company, different branches, and we make them figure things out. Like there is nothing like being out on the course, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, it's not the creative that counts, you know, how yeah, that goes. It's, it's an amazing experience. So yeah, everybody watching and Carlos, you know, we expect you there. Um, bring the family. We're all going to race together. You're definitely you know? getting dumped in December. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, once he meets you, man, he's a company for you. The biggest thing we're not teaching people and kids is how to problem solve. How to solve problems on their own and tap into the resources. Because you have everything. You already have everything you need to be successful. You just have to learn how to tap into it and go do it. There's no yep. other way. Hey man, thanks so much for sharing with us. Thanks so much for everybody. I know I speak for everybody that is watching this, this video. Guys, thank you. This is Ricardo and Carlos Alguero from Marketing Brothers, Marketing Brothers with Jonathan, Wait, come here. the excuse destroyer. Coming <laughs> soon from a parking lot near you, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. Parking is. <laughs> we'll guys. show you. We'll send some videos. All right, thank you, brother. See you soon. See you, man. Yeah, <laughs>